We take a single episode of a science fiction TV series and overanalyze it to within an inch of its life. This is the Fusion Patrol Podcast. Welcome to the discussion. Hello and welcome to another episode of Fusion Patrol. I'm Eugene. And I'm Ben. And tonight we're going to be looking at the fifth, I think, episode of the current seventh series, part two of Doctor Who, uh, the episode Journey to the Center of the TARDIS by some hack. Um, I honestly can't think of his name and, and couldn't be asked to Actually, write it down. I did write the name down. Well, um, let's start with a synopsis, which is going to be a little longer than usual tonight, uh, because it's not so much a plot as a string of scenes that don't make any sense together. (laughs) And so it begins. The Doctor and Clara are discussing her misgivings about the TARDIS. The Doctor decides that Clara should try piloting the TARDIS in basic mode, so they'll get along better. As she tries, a deep space salvage ship with a crew of two brothers and an android uses a magno-grab beam on the TARDIS, causing all sorts of chaos. A grenade-looking thing inexplicably appears in the TARDIS console room, and Clara picks it up, burning her hand. There is an explosion, and the TARDIS is hauled into the salvage ship. The Doctor is inexplicably outside and underneath the TARDIS as the salvage crew try, in vain, to open the TARDIS. The doctor wakes up, realizes that Clara is still inside the TARDIS, which is spewing dangerous chemicals, and enlists the salvage crew by offering them the machine and also the salvage of a lifetime. They agree somewhat reluctantly, and the doctor locks them inside the TARDIS and sets the self-destruct mechanism to 60 minutes, unless they help him. They hesitate, so he sets it to 30 minutes instead. Meanwhile, Clara wanders the TARDIS and encounters several pointless rooms and also a strange burning zombie-like creature that seems intent on catching her. Searching for Clara, they split up, but not with efficiency in mind, but duplicity. One brother starts stripping the TARDIS console, which begins to pour out memories. The other brother finds the TARDIS architectural reconfiguration device, and against the doctor's warnings that the TARDIS is going to throw a fit, he takes part of it. In the library, Clara finds a book on the Time War and learns the doctor's name. The creature arrives, and as she hides, she spills a bottle containing a volume of the Encyclopedia Gallifrey, which whispers and gives her away. However, she manages to escape again and finds her way to the console room, but there is no exterior door. The TARDIS leads the doctor's party in circles by continually reconfiguring the walls until they realize that they have to give back the stolen part. The android tries to convince the brother to let it go. At first, he resists, but finally realizes things are too dangerous and orders the other brother to abandon salvage operations. Too late, the other brother is killed by the zombies. The doctor and team are led by the TARDIS back to the console room for safety. However, it's just an echo, like the one Clara is in. They coexist, but cannot see each other. In Clara's console room, the creature is attacking her. The doctor reaches through the dimensions and pulls her into his console room. The doctor admits that the self-destruct thing was a bluff, but when he goes to turn it off, he sees that the TARDIS really is about to explode. They then journey to the Eye of Harmony, dogged by monsters along the way, and see echoes of the past. A time rip is letting the past bleed through. Rods begin to inexplicably burst through the walls, pinning the android like a bug, who is now revealed 
to be the third brother. Some nonsense about the dumbest joke in the history of the universe follows. The doctor explains that the Eye of Harmony will, in a short while, liquefy their cells and burn their flesh. They get trapped in the room by the creatures, and it's revealed that they are the future version of the humans, after they've been liquefied and burned. Two of them are fused, and the doctor realizes if the remaining brothers don't touch, time can be rewritten. But they touch, and they fuse. The doctor and Clara make it to the engine room, have a chat about her multi-lives, and the doctor is finally convinced that she knows nothing. He also discovers the TARDIS is already dead. Her engines exploded, but held back in time by her dying power. The doctor sees the burn on Clara's hands, realizes it's a message, and steps through the rift to deliver the strange device to himself at the moment of the explosion, thus resetting time and saving the day. Okay. Fire away. Oh, boy. Where do I begin? <laughs> um, you know, I didn't write down stupid things in this story on a piece of paper for this because I didn't want this to be a three-hour litany of how bad this episode was. Still not as bad as Rings of Akaten, but man, oh, it's really? bad. Oh, really? Oh, wow. No, I hated I, that I, one worse. I, still, actually, I hate This one at least had something happening in it, and they weren't I, singing, I, and they were running around. I, I actually dislike this episode even worse. I, 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 Rings of Akaten I could watch. I could never see this episode again. I thought this was absolutely horrible. It didn't improve on second viewing, I have to say. No, absolutely not. It only got worse. At least with Rings of Akaten, that was bland. It's the fact that there were things that were going on in this episode that made it worse because they were stupid. Yeah, I'm afraid I'm going to miss out on stupid things to make fun of because I didn't write them down. But I thought, you know, this this happens a lot on the podcast when I'm editing it. And I realize, oh, why didn't I say that? That was a stupid thing I should have mentioned. And I think this episode's got so many that we'll probably have no problem picking out enough to make out our time without me having to go into the litany of it. But anyway. Well, one of the things that really bothered me about this well, okay, the basic thing is we have essentially two storylines. If you want to call them storylines. Well, for lack of a better term, one is the Doctor and Clara in the TARDIS. The other one is these 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 brothers, the salvage brotherly team, and they are only linked together by this this expedition into the innards of the TARDIS. And... Both stories are weak to begin with. Oh yeah. And then trying to trying to stitch them together, I mean it it didn't work. They were as far as I could tell highly incompatible. And it made the episode just enormously frustrating for me to watch. And and not just highly incompatible, but I never quite got the reason why the doctor needed them to help him find Clara. I mean it wasn't his idea that they split up. So basically he was leading them into the TARDIS. To find her. I think he was just afraid for her safety. But How would they have helped? Weak. But yeah. it's still weak. And so I, I, I still couldn't accept that. I, I, no, I, yeah. I, I can't figure it out. They were, they were a pointless distraction. And then their whole subplot about the brothers being, you know, the oldest brother being the dumb as a post one. Exactly. The, the middle brother being pretty dumb as a post. And then the android turning out to be their actual brother. The smart one. The smart one was... It was a waste of time. Yeah, it was. It was. And, you know, and the other thing that bothers me is that with the title "Journey to the Center of the TARDIS," you kind of get this this idea. Okay, let, let's 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 look at the Jules Verne story, "Journey to the Center of the Earth." 
also spelled in a funny way. Yeah, very English. I wonder why. <laughs> During their journey, they are witness to a multitude of wonders as they make their trip into the center of the earth. The swimming pool at a distance down a hallway wasn't one of the wonders of the TARDIS for you? Uh, no, sorry, it wasn't. Because most of the time, what did we see? We saw corridors. You, you know, it's funny because a lot of times people... I have been looking forward to this episode. Many people have been looking forward to this episode. And and even during the Davison era, uh, when they would get going down into the quarters of the TARDIS, like in Castor Valva, everybody kind of goes, wow, it's going to be one of those great excursions into the TARDIS-like invasion of time, which yeah. is a lackluster story at the best. Episodes five and six comprised mostly of walking around an abandoned hospital and pretending it's a TARDIS. But that was done with some form of style. And yes. it's fresh, and it was entertaining, yes. and you have to buy off on the brick walls, but why not? The TARDIS can do whatever it wants. It's a quirky, it eccentric machine. It was certainly different. But there were a lot of gags, like when he walks into the room and it's like a palatial thing, and it's, oh, boot cupboard, and it's just a CSO photograph of some stately home that, that they've photographed you know behind the door he opens it up and there's a blue screen there and they've cso'd the 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 picture it was pretty lame and there wasn't much of an improvement for clara seeing the observatory or the pool or anything like that down at the end of the corridors i mean the cso wasn't quite as bad but it was just as lame and not imaginative well the things that really get to me is that with clara all we're getting are just these little tiny glimpses here and there of rooms and possibilities that perhaps the TARDIS could yield. And we're only getting just these little tiny, you know, I'm reminded of uh, the book, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. And I bring this up for a reason. There is a, there's a moment in the book where Willy Wonka is taking the, the winners and he's rushing them through his chocolate factory and there's all this wondrous stuff that they're missing and he simply says sorry there's not enough time and i know that we have complained about the nature of the series where they have they, they they've robbed valuable time from what i would think to be some really critical storytelling but in this particular case it, it just felt it just felt like it was nonsensical to see Clara running down all these corridors. There's there's nothing for her to even look at. It's just quarters. Every once in a while, we saw a room. I'm trying to think how many times, how many rooms did we see? We saw the swimming pool, the observatory, the observatory, the library, and the cradle room. And the well, cradle. I don't know if that's the doctor's room or is that or is that part of the library? No, I don't think it was part no, of no, the library. No, it wasn't. It wasn't. No, it wasn't because that's where she first sees um, the the burning creature. Yeah. So that's all we got. If you, I mean, at least in terms of what she saw alone, she didn't see anything else out, you know, uh, while she was lost in the TARDIS by herself. Anything else she saw, you know, it was with the doctor. Okay. Yeah. The Eye of Harmony. Don't get me started on that one or the engine room. Mm -hmm. Here is this girl who's lost in the TARDIS. And what does she see as she's running all over the place? What does she see? Just four rooms that we're aware of. Yeah, that we it, saw. I, I personally felt, and I know that everybody kind of, was kind of thinking the same thing. Ooh, journey to the center of the TARDIS. What wonders are we going to see? I'll tell you what wonders we're going to see. None. Um, so, so here's the thing. Uh, yes, we didn't really get to see much, and 
there's not much story going on here. No, but not one really. one thing that the one thing that has in advance of this episode, like I said, I've been looking forward to it. I'd love to see the the invasion of time done right, uh, or the last latter part of the invasion of time done right uh, on a bigger budget, but still imaginative and fun. Uh, but the problem with the end of the invasion of time was that it was two episodes of them walking around in circles, looking for something. And yeah, but at it least was they made padding. a joke about it too. It was padding. Yeah. It was hideous padding. Well, it, it was major padding, but at least they had the decency to uh, laugh at themselves. But how would, but what kind of story can you actually tell about walking around a big place looking in rooms? I mean, it's, it's really not conducive to coming up with a good story. So I, I, I'm, I'm trying to just throw a small bone to the hacker who wrote this thing, but. It's it's not a good premise to start with. Um, if they'd want to do no. it like a documentary or something, then maybe that would be different. No, it, it's, 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 it's a terrible bad. premise. Is, you're right. It is indeed a very, very bad premise. I mean, granted, yeah, yeah I, I understand your point. I get it. Um, I fault the premise. I figured there are so many better ways that they could do the journey to the center of the TARDIS where we could get all those glimpses of the wonders that, that are inside the TARDIS instead of what was presented on the screen. Mm-hmm. It was, it was badly done. Yeah. It was, it was, as you said, it, it's a very, very poor premise. I agree. You know, there's, there's not much that he, that they could have told, but I think if he had come up with a better idea, then it would have given better opportunity to oh, absolutely. something amazing. Oh, absolutely. I, I mean, and, I, and the other part that bugs me is that on the flip side with the, um, architectural reconfiguration room to me i mean i'll be the first to say you know time lord technology is supposed to be really amazing and and i i firmly adhere to arthur c clark's uh, little you know edict that any science that is sufficiently advanced becomes indistinguishable from magic but, but it was stupid I'm, oh it was stupid because i looked at that room and i thought okay the, you know what this is this is a glorified magician's hat where anything could be pulled out isn't that like the Norwegian tree of life or some silly thing, mythological thing? You know, I kind of thought that. Yeah, it did, it did sort of look like that, yeah, in, in uh, Norse mythology. So, yeah, it, it was mm. – and here's another thing that I'll, I'll pick on while we're in there in the TARDIS. Um, the, the invasion of time interior of the TARDIS looked much, much better than the dank, dark, cramped um, – not hexagonal shaped corridors, but whatever you want to call them that, yeah. that Clara was going on. No, that was boring. That was even more boring than the corridors they came up with for the doctor's wife, which I didn't think were very good. No, at least looked like the too. TARDIS. Yeah, sort those of. are terrible too. But yeah, I was hoping for something better and I didn't get it. I got something, I, I got something that I thought was far worse. Yeah. You never, you could have put them down in those sets. And if you had shown pictures to, you know, take put Clara in one of those corridors and shown a picture to that to a, a million Doctor Who fans. I would challenge you to have a significant percentage of them that ever said, "Oh, that must be a TARDIS corridor." Oh no, yeah, not the slightest, not the slightest clue. Uh, similarity with the okay. console room that that, no. that I can see, or anything we've seen before. So I didn't, I didn't care for that. Uh, um, I didn't either. It, it's yeah. It's hard to do anything but pick on this thing. I, I I could not come up with anything I particularly I particularly liked. Um, you know the thing that really got. I, I mean, right from the get go, I was immediately disliking this episode. One of the things that bothered me, and and this is this is just me. This 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 is probably not a fair criticism. This is just me having a bad reaction. But 
I thought the idea of that salvage ship being able to yank the TARDIS and grab it and throw it into its main... Oh, so ridiculous. Oh, God, it bothered me so much. And from that moment, I thought, okay, this story is just... Th- this is bad. So we, this, this is a bad beginning. We put the TARDIS in quote-unquote basic mode, and it's now not just the most powerful ship in the entire universe. It's also the lamest ship in the uh-huh. entire universe that actually its engines explode when you grab it with a tractor beam. Yeah. Um, yeah, that total who at some point he says the time Lords are very smart. Uh, not in uh, evidence with basic mode, apparently. No, apparently not. And I, I that, that basic mode thing. What was that? Was that for apprentice Time Lords who are first learning to fly their time capsules? Why didn't have the Doctor have that in first 900 years of flying the thing then? Because that would have really helped him, probably. Yeah, well, there's no story then. And so explain to me... I'm I'm, I'm on nitpicks now. We might as well start with the nitpicks. Explain to me... Hmm? Like we haven't already? Well, I mean like a, a a clinical breakdown of them. How did the Doctor get outside the TARDIS? I have no idea. And the first time through, I was bothered by the little grenade-like thing that Clara picked up. Yeah. But obviously, that is sort of explained later in the episode. Yeah, but, sort of. You know, I'm watching, and I'm and I'm immediately thrown off, going, "How did how did that thing the guy had in his hand how on the salvage ship? How did the inside the TARDIS? And how did when we saw them bring the TARDIS in with the big hooks and everything, you know, all the way down the docking bay, right? Yeah. I didn't see the doctor hanging on outside the TARDIS, so how did he end up on the outside when they threw Uh, it down in the bin? And I I don't – I can't imagine that the TARDIS would do some strange architectural reconfiguration that would find the doctor outside of it all of a sudden. That didn't make a whole lot of sense, no. And, of course, he expected to find Clara out there as well. Instead, she is further in. And so all our thoughts about – Maybe we'd get something more from this whole nonsense we've been having the last few weeks about Clara and the TARDIS not getting along. Nothing about that in this story. Not addressed. I mean, except yeah, for the... Briefly, except, you know, the dialogue at the beginning. Right. So it's kind of set up why they were in stupid... Or, sorry, basic mode uh, on the TARDIS. Let's try the story with the... Uh, <laughs> using the word loosely, story with the android boy. What a waste. Not just what a waste, but so... This does it serve the story? I I I have no idea. I I, mean, it I, serves I don't. None. The only thing that that it serves, and it could have been done in so 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 many other ways, is at the end of the story when the middle brother kind of goes a little easier on him because you know, okay, I admit he's my brother, which shows that the time reset isn't a hundred percent. No, there's something that's. I mean, he's carrying something into the but, past that they remembers, but. But it's obvious that the middle brother is still treating him like a robot, right? Yeah. Then how come the picture has been restored with all the brothers on the on the locker? I can't explain it. Because then if that were the case, then Robot Boy would know he's not He's he's not a robot, that he's one of the family. So they didn't they didn't think that one out very No, they didn't. Clearly. I, I, there's a few things they didn't think out very clearly. Like for example, and I'll give you another one. Uh those zombie creatures are, are the uh, are the brothers. So in the Eye of Harmony room, they kill one of them by throwing him over the rail. Um then there's or he falls over the rail if you want to put it that way. Then there's the Clara one. Right. And then there's the fused one. Right. That accounts for three brothers and Clara. Yeah. One of the zombies killed one of the brothers earlier in the episode. Earlier in the episode, yes. Okay. 
the doctor says to the brothers, wait, don't touch each other. It'll change time. It'll change time, and this won't happen. But one of the zombies has already killed himself, so he can never become a zombie. I know. There's a paradox immediately. And when they were seeing all the uh, ghosts or echoes from the past, first off, they weren't doing what they were doing originally. No, they weren't. They weren't walking around the TARDIS console. They're walking up and down the the hallway. And they seem to be completely oblivious, like the one of the doctor. He can't see Clara when she's talking to him until the other doctor comes and says, well, don't touch it. Then how come the future zombies can see Clara and the others? Why are they trying to kill them? Why would the damaged, horrible remains of our of our heroes be running around trying to kill themselves unless they're trying to institute a paradox and and prevent their own existence from happening? And why would a description of something that would be liquefy your cells and burn your flesh equate to a glowing eyed monstrous zombie creature? Mm. Um, none of that. None of that works. Uh, yeah. The only thing that I could explain as far as the presence of the zombies is somehow the the leak in time became bad enough that they were no longer just images. They were real because the doctor does say, oh, they are real. He did say that. He did say that. But let me also say that's not a good explanation. No, because right right after he just said that's just an echo. When he was talking about the past ones, he said, those are just echoes. And then she says, so this is an echo? No, those are real. No, those are real. Why is that different? Why are they real? Yeah, why is that different from the other echoes from the, the time leak? Uh-huh. Well, yeah, what makes them different except for the fact that they're from the future? And why did the remote and, – and the, the grenade-like thing was the remote for the magna grab. Why did that reset time as a big friendly oh, button? Oh, don't. Oh, I know. That killed me right there. Oh, look. It's a reset button. It's the mother of all reset buttons. But why would that reset it? That would just it, make oh, things no, worse. No sense. I could not figure that out for the life of me. I mean, I watched it twice, and I still cannot figure out why is that going to reset time. I it, it made no sense. Yeah, no. Except, except in the timing of it. But I, that still, there's there's no real um, explanation as to how that is going to repair the damage or prevent, or prevent the, damage the damage from happening. Yeah, and, and it, it's not explained. And not only does it not 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 only does it prevent the damage from happening. It causes the TARDIS to disappear from the scanner of the guys, presumably before they turned on the Magna grip. But yeah, so it yeah, throws it. it so somehow it, it went back further than the point where the doctor exactly. pushes the button. And if, 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 if there were going to be any kind of temporal tinkering going on by using a reset button, it, the, the, it should have thrown them back to a much closer time. Or I would have thought they would have used some Time Lord technology, not a bunch of salvage guys technology that the doctors modified somehow right. to do time travel. Yeah, it, it was it was horribly done. <clears throat> Very, it, it made no sense. After two viewings, I still could not figure out how that was working. Why, when the guy was disassembling the TARDIS console, why was it leaking the sounds of past doctors and companions? Could he hear that? Or was that just us? Um, that's a good question. Why is it that the library in the TARDIS is actually Hogwarts? Yeah. <laughs> and that we have 
the dumbest idea since, well, Journey to the Center of the TARDIS turned out to be um, the, 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 the Encyclopedia, Encyclopedia Gallifrey? Gallifrey in bottles. Yeah, what the, was that? The whisper. All these wisps of smoke and little symbols and everything. So what's that supposed to be? So did that pour out on Clara and, and infuse some of the knowledge of Gallifrey in her? Well, that'd be the only thing that I could figure out as to how she was able to understand. The moment she looks in that book, uh, The History of the Time War, she says, so that's who he is. Yeah. She understood. Yeah, she, but she did she that before a, the bottles. Was it before? Oh, that's yeah. right. It was before the bottles. Yes. So the, bottle, okay. the book is in English anyway because it says that on the cover, The History yeah. of Time War in English. So, Well, unless the, well, unless the well, TARDIS I, might be translating it for her. Maybe it's not written in the right. old High Gallifreyan or, or that, that fancy script, whatever. I still, I mean, I still hold very, very uh, firmly that no good can ever come from them revealing the Doctor's name. Yeah, no, because absolutely not. It's you know they've got the episode coming up, the the name of the Doctor, and and I'll plant my flag in the ground here that says it can only work basically one of three ways. The name is meaningless, in which case it's meaningless. And at which point, then this entire setup was just a joke. And there's there's no. There's no, you know, whenever you're coming up with some sort of a secret that you're going to reveal, it has to resonate with, not with the companions, not with the other characters in the story. Now, it doesn't matter whether River Song knows what it means or whether Clara knows what it means or whether the Santarans know what it means. It has to have meaning it, to, the, to the audience. Uh-huh. It has to have meaning to the audience. If his uh, name yeah. turns out to be Faltapraktik, we the don't care. If his name turns out to be Rassilon, then he's going to piss off a legion of people who know that's just not possible and if Thank his name you. and and so if it's not you know there's only a few time lords that we know about in the history of the universe that Rassilon, omega so those names are the only ones that are going to mean anything in gallifreyan history and the other alternative is that they mean something to us outside of doctor who so his name is that he's got Satan. some sort of yeah, or, or Prometheus, he, he, or he something. Has a name that has human meaning, historical significance. And any way you go about this is going to be bad. And I know that Moffat's a big fat liar uh, regularly about this kind of stuff, saying, you know, it's going to change the course of the show forever. The show oh, doesn't need please. course change, except no. for, you know, except for not hiring these writers. Um, but. You know, I mean, who we, came we, up with this whole idea of, oh, for the 50th, let's reveal the name of the doctor? Who really – do you want to know how many fans are coming forward saying not a good idea because the show is called Doctor Who, not Doctor – we don't want Fixed to know. So a lot of people do not want to know the doctor's name. Don't care. His I, name is Doctor. Yeah. Doesn't, the fact that he simply goes by the, by the name the doctor, it's like, okay, fine. So yeah, so the sequence where she learns his name, and then of course in the big reset button, subsequently and, forgets and his name forgets again, is, um, is kind of silly. Beyond silly. Yeah. And, and the fact, you know, yes, okay, we get that whole, uh, I'll, I'll take a, I'll take a counterpoint to the Arthur C. Clarke that any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable ma- from magic. I understand where that comes from, and I think that that's a certain amount of truth if you are ignorant enough. I but agree. you can still produce technology, quote-unquote magic, that's just magic. And the bottles of the Encyclopedia Gallifrey are wow. just magic. That magic. Yeah. That's not any sufficiently advanced technology, because what would be the point of bottling an encyclopedia? The whole point of it is that you look stuff up. You don't pour it in a cup and drink it. 
And if you did pour it in a cup and drink it to obtain the knowledge, why not just put the whole thing in one bottle then? You know, it just doesn't. You don't I, want to mix the memories. Well, mix right, the knowledge. Right, right. So, yeah. You got to keep it separate. Uh-huh. <laughs> so arbitrarily between volume 10 and volume 11, there's something different than, than what's all in volume 10. I, it, it's just, it, it is magic. It's, it's it worse is. than the sonic yes. screwdriver at this stage of the game. Oh, yes. And it, yeah, I very disappointed in what they're letting him get away with in terms of no, put your foot down and say that's just a dumb idea. And it appears to be, like I said, maybe in the future, because we now know that the reset button isn't 100% complete, maybe in the future the, the the stuff that poured on her or she got on her hands will have some impact later on down the line. But for the most part, it appeared to be just an incredibly awful plot contrivance to get the monster to notice that she was there when it started yeah. talking, when she spilled it without even touching it. Well, she bumped I, I watched it again. The cabinet. Yesterday. She bumped the cabinet. That was a ever huge so bookshelf, though. I know that bottle had a nice, big, fat, wide it base on it. It would fallen. never have tipped over. I know. Over. I know it should not have fallen or over. Or the whole thing should have tipped over. It shouldn't. Yeah, exactly. But that's that's the excuse. And again, badly done. Badly, badly done. And how about those rods spontaneously shooting out from the walls? Oh, God. For, oh, well, the fuel rods. Like, fuel rods? Did, did he say fuel rods? I don't know. Yeah, oh, so there's a nuclear reactor going on in here. Well, remember, it was also, uh, the gas was, it was leaking fuel, and the Eye of Harmony is its engine power. So how many different kinds of fuel is... And so these yeah. rods are, are shooting out in, frankly, All worse directions. than Indiana Jones. Yeah. Because they're chasing the doctor down the hallway, not popping out at random. And then as soon as they pop through one guy, they stop. They stop. Also an equally... Um, ridiculous idea. Ridiculously wasted notion. Okay. Yep. What we got to talk we... about the big supernova in the room. <laughs> uh, the Eye of Harmony. Oh, brother. I'm going to. I, it was bad enough when they introduced that in the Paul McGann movie. But when we saw that there, hanging in the sky, I thought, "Really? Now, please explain to me how this is supposed to work, and and how is it that you know? Again, let's turn. Let's tie this back to the Deadly Assassin, where the Eye of Harmony was thought to be a myth. I'm going to here staring at it in a TARDIS. I'm going to make a try. I'm, I am going to make a try. I, oh, I, I'm totally opposed to this because it is completely out of continuity with the series proper, and the movie was totally out of continuity with the series property. I mean, the movie, I'll give them some benefit. Some Americans who apparently didn't have a clue what they were talking about read through maybe the Jean-Luc Le Fossier Doctor Who manual and picked up a few words like Eye of Harmony and decided... And it just that, started throwing it together. And throwing it together. Yeah. And I can... I can I can see how that happens, you know, test audiences, uh, uh, make his companion have a tennis racket and a short skirt, whatever. But I, it's it's been made canon. I don't like it. I'm going to say that maybe, maybe, somehow, the Doctor stole the Eye of Harmony before he time-looped Gallifrey. Because if the Eye of Harmony is all their power, how can he time-loop them within their own power source? So maybe well, he somehow well stole it captured it in his TARDIS, and that's what allowed him to be able to time loop 
the, the so time he did that back. prior to the time war then correct or yeah prior to the end of the time war yes well he must have done it prior to the time war because the Paul because McGann of the Paul McGann movie, McGann movie right. before the time war even began right no I I agree I'm still I'm still kind of counting the movie as being like I, you know that just that just wrong <laughs> because I originally had this idea and and I'll say this yours is better because it does it it, it it does have some possibilities. I had a grand idea, which all of a sudden completely I had to t- throw away the moment I took the time war into consideration. And that is that all the TARDISes somehow through some sort of dimensional reconfiguration, when they were looking at the Eye of Harmony, they were not looking at the one that is based in the TARDIS. They were looking at the one that is on Gallifrey and that they're all connected somehow. But then if Gallifrey has been locked in a time loop – they should not see that particular Eye of Harmony if indeed that is the one that's still on Gallifrey. So my idea, I had to check out the window. So yours is a possibility, but why it still doesn't it's quite not sit very well good. with me. No, it does, no, it's not very good. I mean, it's, I think it's better than anything that the writers are coming up with or even that Moffat's coming up with. But it's still not very good because it shouldn't be there in the first place. It, it genuinely is a, um, a a desperate fan attempt to reconcile irreconcilable plots. I mean, it, it literally is that. It's like, okay, if the Eye of Harmony is one thing and it's aboard the Doctor's TARDIS, well, maybe it's been moved. You know, that's that's the best. You know, now if, if the Master popped up and got his TARDIS back and he has an Eye of Harmony on board of it, then the whole thing is a complete shambles. But as long as there's only one left in existence and it has the eye on harmony on board of it, I can kind of pretend like, well, that's, you know, that must be the real thing. I remember hearing an explanation after the the Paul McGann film came out. uh, Who fans were going nuts over that? And somebody who is responsible for the story, I don't know who, came forward and said, oh, yes, all TARDISes have an Eye of Harmony. It connects to the Eye of Harmony on Gallifrey. Really? Yeah. Oh, that that's no good either. I, I kept trying to tell myself, no, this this doesn't, this, this, I did not hear this, you know, and every time that, whenever I do watch that movie, the moment that scene comes up, I put my finger in my ears and I start humming very loudly because I refuse to acknowledge that that's actually happening in the story. So, um, the Doctor has to confront Clara and reveal that he has known her before. Which totally freaks her out. Because she clearly knows nothing about it. Which uh, does not surprise me at this point. It, no, it, she's just... I mean, if, if we're going to follow... She's just a girl. She's just a girl. Yeah. And yet, she's the only girl we know that seems to be able to talk with the, with the TARDIS. Well, the only one who had the wherewithal to think that the TARDIS is alive. Yeah. Um, so who, who understands who the doctor is, which I again I think is kind of unusual. I mean, the only thing that I could keep coming up with is that whatever it is that happens to her that makes her the the girl twice dead is something that is uh, precipitated by the doctor himself. Well, that's yeah, obviously, <laughs> yeah. Because how else is time going to get fractured unless it's the Time Lord mucking around with time? Yeah, and. It it feels like there's some connection between her and the TARDIS, and I, I don't want to go so far as to say maybe she's – because I have heard this, you know, in, in crazy um, ramblings uh, that perhaps she's some manifestation of the TARDIS, a TARDIS. Oh, good God, no. And, and I'm going to also go out and say I don't think that could be it 
again, I'm trying to apply logical script writing to this, but no, you no, can't fall apart. You can't have anything like that about Clara. No, you can't have anything that ends her as a companion. If they reveal that all by the 50th, and it turns out she's a TARDIS, or then they have to put her back, or she, you know, reconciles, or they solve the story. Well, then her time in the TARDIS is done because she well, she's got she's literally got to be a girl traveling with the Doctor, right? And her, she can't be any strange alien beast or a death robot or anything like that because if so, then her story has to come to an end when the reveal comes. Well, her story, her the answer to who she is is also supposed to be revealed in the name of the Doctor. Right. We're supposed to get both of those. And, but, we also know that she does appear in the 50th anniversary special. And I thought she was signed up for the next year as well. Well, if that's, so there it is then. So whatever it is, it can't be that earth-shaking. No, it can't be. Which, again, disappointing because, and I think I, I brought this up before, Moffat likes to set things up. He likes to give us these big mysteries, and invariably, the payoff never equals the mystery itself. He's done this time and time again, and this is yet another example. I mean, I I so saw this coming. In the, like I said, I think I brought this up. Um, uh, I can't remember if this was in... Uh, the Asylum of the Daleks, or if this was in the Christmas special, might have been the, in the Christmas special, that this this was uh, the whole bit with the Doctor and the silence all over again. This this paradox, this conundrum that the Doctor must die, and how that was going to be resolved. And and I kept thinking it can't be. You can't resolve that because it it would end the show. So. Mm-hmm. If you're going to continue the show, then it's then you're not going to end it. Which you're going to get, you're going to weasel your way out of it, which is what he did. And I suspect the same thing with barely, barely, oh, barely weaseled his way out of it. And I I suspect the same thing is going to happen with Clara and the name of the Doctor and the name of the Doctor. You can't give us something that is worthy of the mystery that you have built up because to do so would forever. It it would well for in, in the in the case of Clara it would end her time with a doctor, in the case of the doctor it would end everything we know and well Moffat has been saying oh this will change Doctor Who forever well you know don't you know and at not at not one point throughout the entire Pertwee Tom Baker Peter Davison Colin this Baker never came up period did I ever once actually. Care, care what the doctor's name is. His name is the doctor. The fact that that's not a human name. He just took that name on because he he left Gallifrey. He put himself into exile, and he he just took that title. Yeah, he didn't want somebody writing down Snicklefritz somewhere because the Gallifreyans no. might notice. Hey, Snicklefritz is out there. I mean, th- this whole thing started. If you want to lay blame with anybody, I think the whole thing really started with with um, uh, John Nathan Turner. Uh, oh, and, the, the, and, and where the it was suspected that maybe the doctor was Merlin at one time, or will become Merlin. Oh, that was stated outright. Yeah, that was stated. The the, the Cartmel master plan, if you want to call it that, uh, the disaster in the making, and and the best thing I can say about that was that thankfully they canceled Doctor Who before he got to do his Cartmel master plan. I think that would have been a, a horrific mistake what they were doing with those i mean i i recently uh ran across some of my old reviews from the 80s of 
of Sylvester McCoy episodes. And I can, you know, I can even see it in my writing then that I was very worried that they were going to screw this up in a big way. And I am, you know, in retrospect, look back and go, they were, they were trying, they were trying really hard, but fortunately, and I, as a Doctor Who fan, I hate to say this, fortunately, they canceled the show. Yeah, it, it was, it was a mercy killing. It was a mercy point. killing at that point. We would not be here now watching new episodes of Doctor Who if they had let that Cartmel master plan continue Yeah, on. well, look what's happening now, though. Yeah, well. Look where Moffat's taking it. You know, and it, it pains me to say that because I had such high hopes for the way the series was going to go when he took it over from uh, RTD. But, oh, my God, he's, I think he's he, what he's doing to it now is in some ways even worse than when RTD started. Unless, again, total BS and he's going to not not deliver on what he says he's going to deliver on, which I think is highly likely. But I, uh, you know, I, I, I maintain that the only person who's going to learn the name of the doctor is, is River. She has to. Well, yeah, we know she has to. Well, we she we has to learn it. She doesn't have to because it's all timey-wimey anyway. Well, but Moffat will ensure that he, that she does because he's the one who wrote that stupid but he, he, he didn't story. he didn't actually manage to resolve any of those his other timey-wimey scripts to the satisfaction of logic they're all they're all tenuously gimbled together in yeah well i think so. i think that one he will try to resolve fairly nicely um i just wish he would and get rid of river for, for forever we're done with her please we're done with her well i don't mind her being there as long as they they lift this ridiculous rule that they need an opposite orders. Like, oh, please get rid of that concept because it's not. I mean, a, it's not true. B, it doesn't work. Mm. Okay, so one last thing about this episode that I have, anyway, is after they've reset the universe, Clara is um, talking about how she's so tired, and the doctor says it's it's like we had two days crammed in the space of like one hour. hour or something yeah. like that, right? So, the events so, of Journey to the Center of the TARDIS, yes. Something but, carried over, obviously. But the events of Journey to the Center of the TARDIS did not take two days. No, actually it didn't. It only about took... About an hour. About an hour, yeah. Almost real time. Maybe well, let's say the, two hours. You, 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 the argument could be made, and I'm I'm just... Uh, here, here's my opportunity to throw them just the tiniest of bones here. The the argument could be made that when you go through something that traumatic, that terrifying, that it could seem like days instead of hours. Could be. Could be. But the doctor could equally have said, she's I'm so tired. And he says, hey, like we've been running around for hours. And that would have been yeah, far more saying, convincing. Yeah, I know. It would have worked better. Why two days? Why not days? Down. Why not three days? Why not one day? Why two days? Why two days? Yeah, it doesn't work. It's as if the doctor knows it was two days. And that didn't, it didn't come across. I don't across. know. It, it made no sense. So here's, so you got anything else? To, to, tell me what else you got. You, oh, you good want to pick on. God. I, you know, I really, I, I think that's about it. My, my, I've already gone off on my biggest issues uh the big thing that really bothered me is the fact that there were like two separate storylines if you want to call it that that someone tried to mash together and did a really piss poor job of it so here's the part that amazes me about this episode and i mean boggles my mind what the people like it yes yeah I, looking online like it looking online i would guess it's probably 60 40 60 against 
40 vocally with, 40 yeah. with thinking like that's the most amazing episode yeah. ever and i i just i'm like I'm amazed it, it didn't air on 420 so i assume that they weren't all stoned in honor of 420 day so i don't know what I don't know what, what it what is. the logic was. But a lot of people found it to be absolutely wondrous. And, and I kept looking at it. Keith and I, when we finished watching it, we just st- stopped and looked at each other. And we were both completely stunned into silence at how enormously bad it was. I was stunned us. into silence halfway into the episode. Well, actually, I was stunned into silence five minutes into it. From the moment, this tard- from the, moment the TARDIS was grabbed by that salvage ship, I was already, oh, dear God, this is going to be a really bad story. And it just went from bad to worse all the way to the very end. And then when they just hit the uh, the mother of all reset buttons, I mean, I was like covering my eyes because it, it became painful to watch. And yet there are people that loved it. Like I said, Keith hated the – he hated it. He thought it was one of the worst stories of the season – I think <laughs> there's only five episodes of the second half. Let's talk. I mean, remember, this is the second half of the season. If you want to talk about the entire season, I mean, we're going back all the way to the um, Amy and Rory episodes as well. I, I, I don't. Starting with Asylum of the Daleks. I don't think that. Um, and I would put this one at the bottom of the oh, barrel. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I, I still think Ranks of Akaten is at the bottom of the barrel because I felt it was equally as poorly thought out and it was boring. And this one was incredibly poorly thought out, but at least they were running around and things were exploding. And, and I so, and that's literally, I hate, that's the only reason. And that's why I hated more because they tried to create a situation where things were blowing up and happening and did such a bad job of it that the attempt made it worse. The attempt at trying to make a story made it worse. The fact that there was a non-story in Rings of Akaten makes it at least the slightest bit palatable in comparison for me. So, listeners, if you're out there and please explain, please explain. No, I'm. I'm I, let me go on honestly. Record. I want to go on record on, on say something here. I'm not going to go out there and say, "Oh, you liked it? You're wrong." No, I'm not going to do that. If you liked it, you only do that when, when I say that. <laughs> Well, I've I've got to stop doing that because it's it's not it's not it's not a good thing to do because I've there are many there have been many times where I've I've had episodes that I've liked enormously you know not just Doctor Who any t- any kind of show that I've liked enormously and when if someone comes up and says no you're wrong that's not good you know you're not just invalidating the show you're not just invalidating the opinion you're invalidating the person by because an opinion is an expression of the person itself so. If you like the episode, great. I'm happy for you. Um, I would just like to know why. Because one of the things that just really bothered me, okay, I'm going to go back to this reset button. It goes off. Everybody in this store, everybody lived happily ever after except for me. <laughs> do, do you think that, that – and this is, a, this is a critique of you and I uh, more than anything else – uh, I will fully and freely admit that I am and always have been detail oriented. Same. And there are only so many details that you can throw in front of me that are wrong or obviously incongruous or before I can't see past it. Right. And exactly. 
you, I, there, there's a threshold. You know, if and you were you on a roller that, coaster ride and and you were having a blast on the roller coaster ride and it was supposed to be, I don't know, like um, let's say it was simulating a trip from Earth to the moon to Mars and around the sun and back. And you get on the roller coaster and you go right out of the Earth's atmosphere, past Mars, then the moon, and then the sun. And then somehow you get to Neptune and then back by way of Mercury to Earth. Even if it was the funnest roller coaster in the world. I'd be and even if I liked roller coasters, yeah, I would like, drive me nuts. Wait a minute. That's not right. And other people could take that roller coaster and go, that was like the most amazing journey I ever had. And it's like, yeah, but it was wrong. It was wrong. Yeah. And, and that's not an opinion in that it's, case. No, that's, no, no, these are based on facts. I, you know, I, a lot of the stuff that I pick up in the story is, are just kind of like wrong as in that doesn't make sense in the context of what you've said before. When I, anyway. Well, if you're going to pick on facts, I understand you know, how you can pick on a specific detail, as you pointed out, that is so out of place. It does not fit. Yeah, you, you, you can't help but stand up and say, that is wrong. You know, and that's the difference between Doctor Who now and Doctor Who, you know, the classic years. Oh, God, sounds like something out of a radio station. Because with that show, they were not trying to pass themselves off as uh, a detail-oriented science fiction show. They were trying to pass themselves off as, uh, I like how Tom Baker described it, um, science fantasy fluff. It was just, it was just, it was light fair. It was science fantasy fun. Hmm. So a lot of, a lot of weird things could happen there. And I could simply say, okay, I can look that up. I, I can just, I can pass that by because the show was not trying to create this enormous, gigantic mythology where all the pieces have to fit together. Now, ever since it came back, they've been trying to create this, you know, it, An and intricate I, web. Very, very much so. And, the problem is that the pieces still don't fit. <laughs> ever ever see that experiment where they took a, like an orb weaver spider and put them into zero gravity? Yes. And then they can't do a web to they save their lives? No, yeah. they can't. Well, they and can, that, but they're crummy looking. Uh, uh, and that's exactly maybe what we're they're, Maybe here. these guys are in zero gravity. They're riding in zero gravity, yeah. <laughs> okay, so as Russell Howard would say, here comes the part of the show which I genuinely know nothing about. We're going to listen to Simon's opinion on... Um, uh, this episode, Journey to the Center of the TARDIS, and perhaps he will uh, be of the first feedback that likes the episode and is going to tell us uh, why it's good as opposed to what we think. So take yeah. it away, Simon. This was an episode I was expecting would disappoint. An episode entirely set inside the TARDIS. Either it would be a monotonous corridor wandering, as in Legopolis, or it would be ludicrous chase nonsense, as in The Invasion of Time. In the event it struck a balance, but a mix of tediousness and excess does not guarantee a winning formula. It started badly, the small supporting cast of salvage crew were humourless and underdeveloped, the lumbering zombie monsters were somewhat generic and initially seemed both unnecessary and inexplicable, and the plot seemed confused and incoherent. A TARDIS-bound story in the run-up to the 50th anniversary was also inevitably going to be laden with continuity references, and indeed it was, with the voice clips, a book of the history of the Time War, and the Eye of Harmony. After a run of episodes where each managed to be better than the last, I knew some clunker would have to come along and lower the bar again. So I was watching resigned to this fact, with a hint of satisfaction at being proved right, and it wasn't until about 35 minutes in 
that I found I was enjoying myself. Apart from the Doctor being half-human, there is nothing as trivial which enrages fans more than the broken continuity of the Eye of Harmony. So I was amused by the audaciousness of contradicting both irreconcilable strands of continuity here. But it was the precipice scene, the TARDIS's snarl, that really won me over, especially the line, I think I'm more scared of you than anything else on the TARDIS right now. Smith and Coleman are better than ever in this story, and the dynamic between them is extraordinary. The Doctor obviously sees Clara as more a puzzle than a person, when he calls her the salvage of a lifetime, and Clara's fear and suspicion comes to the fore in this. Good guys don't keep zombies. I had to re-watch this one because I didn't actually get what was going on the first time round. On the second viewing, I not only had all my unanswered questions from the first time resolved, but actually I found it even more enjoyable to watch. It's true no reset button plotline is ever really forgivable, and the salvage crew were just as one-dimensional second time around. But if you aren't oversensitive to continuity niggles, from the moment Clara and the Doctor are reunited in the Echo console room and begin their journey to the centre of the TARDIS, there's just one great scene after another. And, from the trailer, next week's Cadbury's episode looks good too. Okay, well, in this case, um, mm. we still don't actually know what he said because he hasn't sent it in yet. So uh, we'll be surprised when we hear it, too. Um, one last thing before we go, uh, a, a technical announcement. But in the near future, in the next couple of months, Fusion Patrol is going to be moving to a new podcasting host. And this may cause you to have to... Uh, subscribe to a new feed and we will keep you posted. Um, I'm going to run them in parallel for a while while I hope to get it all straightened out so it happens all automatically. But if not, I'm just warning you now to listen to your podcast feed and I will absolutely make sure that if I can't transition them smoothly, I will at least post a, an audio podcast warning telling you where to go to find the new Fusion Patrol feed when it starts up so with that happy note uh, uh feel free to join us at our website fusionpatrol.com i think uh, we'll probably have some place for people to talk about this episode uh, i'll try to put something up here before i post this episode so you'll have somewhere to comment on it and until next time when we get to see uh diana rigg aka emma peel from the avengers in doctor who for the first time ever I'm Eugene. And I'm Ben. And good night. Cheers. Fusion Patrol is a Lone Locust production. Like us? Leave us a review on iTunes. Or stop by and visit at our website, fusionpatrol.com. Find us on Facebook or Twitter. Search for Fusion Patrol. Or just drop us a note at feedback at fusionpatrol.com Our music is Fight the Future by Amber Wolf. <laughs>